0: Pull those belts tight. Put on your helmet and grab a gear. It's time for another high-speed episode of Race Chaser Media's Motorsports Madness, powered by MyComputerCareer.edu. Training for a better life. Let's throw the green and send it to the host in the studio.
1: The host in the studio forgot to put his headphones on. We're going. Again. To get... Well, hey, at least I realized I was hearing it from over here, so I wasn't just not going to, you know, start talking. It was just this quieter than at normal least once a month. Come on, Jacob. How can it happen once a month I was <laughs> gone for 3. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Motorsports Madness powered by mycomputercareer.edu <laughs> training day. for a better life. Randy Miller, what do you want?
2: I said that's because it happens twice in one day.
1: No, I haven't even been here 10 minutes yet.
3: Well, there's the first time. We we got another hour and <laughs> That's right. <laughs>
1: Whatever. What's happening?
3: What's happening? We've got
1: two big guests today. We do. Joel Sebastianelli is going to join us shortly, and that's going to be tremendously wonderful because we haven't had Joel on a show in a while, and I miss having Joel on shows. So this is going to be fun because we're going to talk about a doubleheader. Yes. Because IndyCar and NASCAR are doubleheadering. Yes. It's not a word. I just made it one.
3: For those uh, in our audience who aren't familiar with Joel, he is an IndyCar and F1 insider who was part of the original race chaser online race chaser media lineup of uh, writers and contributors indeed. and then went on to become a big star on tv in florida um doing sports and such for an affiliate down there and then um and so joel is back with us for the night uh, for the first part of the show anyway to uh, help us to preview uh what should be a really exciting holiday weekend at indy
1: indeed and talk f1 and talk F one, yes, and we're also going to talk to Jesse Love. Yes, in the second half of our show because he drives anything nowadays.
3: Who doesn't love love?
1: Well, he, yeah, exactly. But <laughs> <laughs> greater point, he also won his first Arca West race.
3: Yes, at sure. Utah
1: Motorsports yeah. Campus.
3: Yeah, Utah. That's a weird way to put that, isn't it? Motorsports Campus. That's what they call it. Yeah, I know. It's very different. But uh yeah, uh and, and It is the former Miller Motorsports Park. Did he school yes. them? That's the question. Ha. Huh. He he actually schooled his coach and he'll okay. explain all that yes. uh when we when we talk to him. Yes, it was he kind will. of fun. After it I was wonderful
1: story. yes however before we do all that we got to step aside and take a break because well that's what we do so we will take a break and we will come back with more motorsports madness in just a couple of minutes don't go, <laughs> don't go anywhere don't go anywhere
4: in one of several entry-level positions but whatever you do don't wait these jobs will go fast call tim at 302-827-2054 that's 302-827-2054 lewis meineke car care center rev up your career hi this is ross
9: chastain you're listening to race chaser radio now back to the show
1: Welcome back to Motorsports Madness, powered by mycomputercareer.edu, training for a better life. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Randy Miller, uh, in front of microphones, and uh, James Mellick otherwise known as Red, is not only in front of a microphone, he is punching all the buttons that mean we either keep doing this show or if he gets mad, we're you all just going to disappear. a few disapp- seconds yeah. of silent prayer. Yes, yeah. quietness. Quick. <laughs> <laughs> He's good at shutting us all up if he wants. Yes. But, uh, he has w- that power. Yeah, something like that. Anyhow, we're going to go to the strutmasters.com hotline for the first time tonight, and we are going to uh, take out of parentheses... The first of our two guests for this evening and reconnect with, I am not—I have to say, I can't say favorite because I don't like playing favorites, but one of my most favorite people to have on this show yes. because he's just so entertaining. Joel Sebastianelli, how are you,
10: sir? You set a high bar for, for me, but I won't tell anybody you said that. I promise. That's just <laughs> you, me and whoever else is listening. So, oh
3: about man, a million and uh, about one point two million other people around the world. So it's a small group, Joel. <laughs>
1: Anyhow, it's perfect timing to bring Joel back on yes. this show because uh, it, it's, I don't, I don't want to say Christmas in July, except it kind of is, Joel, where uh, we're all concerned because not only is IndyCar back, not only are we at the greatest facility in the world, we have a doubleheader between the two biggest American motor, uh, motorsport entities on the same weekend at the same racetrack, and I am loving everything about this. I don't know about you, but... This is great. This is just great.
10: Okay, so we have IndyCar, NASCAR, IMSA, F1. Most of the sports world is still shut down, maybe working towards a return. But we have racing this weekend. And so if you find something to complain about, honestly, you're first on my list of people to blast into the sun.
3: (laughs) Into the sun?
10: Please. Like, if it turns into a fuel mileage race, any of these, like, if there's not a whole lot of passing... Save your complaints about the package, uh, the arrow, whatever there is to complain about. Save it for another weekend, please, because we finally have all of this together, and it's going to be great. Uh, I mean, what do we know about IndyCar right now? Not really all that much. It was one race in Texas. It's an oval. It was a one-day show, one practice, two-lap qualifying, competition cautions in the event of an extended green flag run because of the tire situation, not having the compound ready for 2020 because of COVID and Everything that was going on at Firestone in the factory, the top three there was Dixon, Pagano, and New Garden, which you probably could have taken a shot in the dark and nailed it if you paid any attention to any of the previous seasons in IndyCar. Those three are good picks for this week too. Six GMR Grand Prix run in the past. Simon Pagano has won three of them. Scott Dixon has finished second three years in a row. Newgarden actually has never finished better than 11th, but you figure he's got to be due for one at some point, and Will has uh, won the other three. We also know it's going to be hot 93 Friday, 91 Saturday, and who knows with the aero screen quite how cooling is going to work, uh, especially under caution or when they're just sitting in the car. We know that's when it gets really hot, and as cool as it is to drive a race car, I've always imagined, like, whether it's just going around corners and dealing with the G-Force or just having all that gear on. Most of the time when you're driving a the car, you're, they're more uncomfortable than you and I will ever be. So that's going to be something interesting to keep an eye on as well. But it's really interesting just to have it all back and have them paired with
7: NASCAR too.
1: I, what did you think of when, when they first finally said, hey, this is, this is going to happen as far as IndyCar and NASCAR running, same weekend, same venue? I mean, what was your initial reaction when all of this came to pass, being a you know predominantly IndyCar guy?
10: It's something that should have happened a long time ago, and it's something that I think is a necessity, uh, something necessitated, one, under the circumstances. Like, it's a great idea just to get races in right to get them in on the same site and it's a necessity i think especially when you're running an oval it just makes a lot of sense something i've noticed uh, i followed indycar around uh, working with road to indy tv for the 2015 season and so uh, when you see all these race weekends up close you get an idea not just for like being in the panic but you get an idea of the fan experience too right So something that street courses and road courses have nailed down is there's always something going on on track. And even just like talking to friends of mine who go to races, they love going to the road courses. They love going to the street courses because you can show up at the track at eight o'clock in the morning, leave at sundown. And from the time you walk through the gate to the time you walk out, there's never a stoppage on track. There's always something going on. Whereas you go to an oval. And the racing itself may be great, but it's not uncommon that, like, that's the only thing there is just that one series. Or maybe you've got one feeder series that's there and they'll do two lap qualifying, or they've got one other thing going on, but that's it. And so, like, if you're four or five hours away, maybe it's not worth the money and the travel and everything else to go, but if you can bring other series and bring all of this stuff together for one weekend. It just makes so much sense to have it there. So from the time you walk in the gate at eight or nine o'clock in the morning until the time you leave, there's always something going on. And of course, under these circumstances, there's no fans, right? But I think it's a good trial run for it. And I think whenever we can bring fans back, they're going to realize, hey, man, like, this is awesome. I think the Indie Star ran a poll on Twitter the other day and tried to start a debate where they're like, hey, IndyCar and NASCAR together. What do you guys like more? Debate in the comments. And nobody was having anything of it. Everyone was like, this is stupid. Like, delete this. Like, we like them both. We're all race fans. We're just yes. excited this is here. <clears throat> and, like, that's the whole point of this. I think they're going to realize this just makes a ton of sense. There is no infighting, really. Just bring them all together. It's great for everybody involved. And with nbc involved too it makes a
3: ton of sense of course it does i find it interesting that uh it took roger penske basically more or less you can you can say we don't know for sure if that's true but let's be real here it took roger penske buying basically everything indycar in order to um to to make this happen but i think it's a good idea i'm not you know, I, I, it'll be interesting to see how the Xfinity series runs on the road course. I think that could be uh, basically the sleeper race of the weekend, to be honest. Um, but I think it's going to be an interesting show. And I agree with you. I think we need more of this. And I actually think now that the um, those in power in both series, I believe they see the need for it. And, and I think you'll see more of it as we get into the next few seasons, not just because uh, Indy is there, but I think you could see it at some other venues as well. I mean, you you know, there's plenty of other places we could do this and make it work to have Cup and IndyCar both in the same place. Totally. Yeah,
10: totally agree. I mean, it just makes a ton of sense. And even from a TV perspective, too, you've got so many guys who work both series, and I'm not just talking about, like, on-camera guys. you got to realize how much money and how many crews are shared And yeah. we're just talking about, like, NBC or even talking about radio from the IMS production crew. If we're talking about Indianapolis Motor Speedway, a lot of the radio guys, a lot of the production people, they're all shared. And we're talking sometimes five figures, six figures, to bring all of this gear on site, to leave it there for a weekend, to run it all weekend – So to have it all in one place, you're actually saving people a lot of money to do these double weekends. So I think it just makes a lot of sense for everybody involved, especially once you drop the COVID restrictions. And hopefully, whether it's a year, two years, I mean, whatever it is, when we're like back to normalcy and there's fans there, it's it's just great for everybody involved. I love that this is the start, hopefully, of a great partnership, which is what it always should have been. And it's crazy it's taken this long.
1: Oh, I I agree. I'm shocked personally that it's taken as long as it has to make everything mesh together and work out all those fun things like that. I, I, I don't want to ask Joel another question Tom because it, we, then, yeah. we, then, then we then we know the yeah, <laughs> Red, Red, will, Red will absolutely start chucking water bottles across the room at me but we are going to hold him for a little bit longer because we got a lot more things to talk about including some other IndyCar stuff some F1 stuff. I want to start a Scott Dixon debate in our next segment. I warned oh, Joel boy. about this before the show so <laughs> That's going That's going to happen, and it's going to be fun. So we'll look forward to that. But Red's giving me ten fingers, which means that uh, we need to step aside. and take yeah, I know. We'll be back with more Motorsports Madness coming up in a couple minutes. Don't go anywhere. <laughs>
2: Hey, this is Reed Wilson, and you're listening to Race Chaser Radio. Now back to the
11: show.
1: Welcome back to Motorsports Madness, powered by MyComputerCareer.edu. Training for a better life. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Randy Miller, James Mellick, all circled around, well, various technological devices with microphones. and racing inside the WSIC studios in Statesville, North Carolina. There. See? I got that plug in and you didn't even have to look at me funny. Well, that's good. That'll save my funny look for later, then. Anyway, in addition to all of that. Uh, We also are going back to the strutmasters.com hotline. We have Joel Sebastianelli on with us. And last segment, we talked about the uh, good and, well, the good about a NASCAR IndyCar doubleheader. I want to talk IndyCar specifically in this segment, Joel, because I want to talk about the guy that won at Texas. And you and I kind of hashed this a tiny bit um, in the hour leading up to the show. But Scott Dixon just continues to make a case for... Being on IndyCar's Mount Rushmore if he wasn't already there. Now within five of Mario Andretti for second all time on the win list. He I can't think of anything at this point he hasn't done aside from, you know, hold up the Borg the Borg Warner trophy or pose with it multiple times. That's he's he's gonna work on that if we have an Indy five hundred this year, I have a feeling. I mean at this point, where where do you sit him? I mean, he
10: has to be in the top
1: four, doesn't he?
10: Well, totally, if you're doing, like, a Mount Rushmore debate, it totally depends on whether we're doing it just, like, purely statistically or if we're assigning some sort of value culturally. So somebody like Mario Andretti, right, like, 52 wins, that's second all-time. Dixon's only four away. I have a very hard time believing that Dixon is not going to pass. I'm like, that just seems inevitable, uh, whether that's going to happen this year or next, Scott's only 39 years old. That's just going to happen at some point. One would think. But Mario Andretti right now is a name that means something to just about everybody all over the world. It's a name that is synonymous with racing. If you ask somebody to name a driver, just name a driver. You don't even put any stipulations on it. Like You don't have to say name an car driver, name an F1 driver name a nascar driver name a current driver former driver whatever just name a driver you're going to get a lot of people who say mario andretti of any age it's just a name who's synonymous with that so culturally mario is somebody who is significant in that way i think the Unzers are somebody who are significant in that who are significant in that way the indy 500 is something that elevates you in a way where, you know, maybe somebody like Allen's or junior or Allen's or senior moves up in some way and having raced in that era, they move up. But Scott Dixon, to me, makes a really good case for being in that top four, for being so good for so long. And you may have to evaluate this in 10 years because I think he has that much left in him if he wants to keep going for that long, Right. I
1: I believe it. I mean, physically, I think there's no question he could keep going for a while yet, Tom. And if if I'm going ahead and giving my four, I'll go ahead and spout them out right now. AJ Foyt, Mario Andretti, Scott Dixon, and for me, I'm actually going a little bit more modern than necessarily digging into my history for the fourth and saying Dario Franchitti.
3: Hmm. Hmm. Well, I... (laughs) I like your first three. I'd have to. I'd have to think about. I wasn't. I think the fourth one is a lot harder yeah, I decision. Than. I wasn't expecting we we're going to do all four. I thought you'd go around the table and just ask for comments about oh, whether well, Dixie should be there. I, I think. A- please a- give comments a- about whether Dixie should well, be there. Well, here's my thought. And then we'll go to Randy, and if James wants to chime in, he can. I believe this. I when I, when you look at NASCAR, I look at eras. Okay, so Jimmy Johnson, for example, undisputed king of the modern era period, end of discussion. They're just, I don't, you know, you, you can't, there's just no other answer. Um, so if I look at eras in IndyCar, then absolutely Scott Dixon, Randy, is the king, undisputed king of the, the modern era. Now, if you're, if you're talking a, a best forever, yeah, I think, I think Scott, is represented there i don't i i because again i think you got to do it by era um i i mean mario didn't there were there were better overall careers than mario but mario and aj did it on multiple surfaces and multiple cars and even in IndyCar alone, if you look at what they accomplished, I think those those two have to be there. And yes, I would include Scott Dixon in my top four. Randy, yeah, I I think when you look at um, you know
2: statistics and you look at you know how certain people have their 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 top four, right? Like. Joel's right in terms of, you know, some people are going to look at it and go, okay, well, my four are obviously going to be the first four names that come to mind. When you look at people who may not necessarily be IndyCar fanatics, but they can name four drivers off the top of their head, yeah. that's going to be the four guys they're going to go with because it's easy in the brain. Um, you know, you, you look at NASCAR, you're talking about Mario Andretti. His t- statistics may not necessarily match up to somebody who should be on a Mount Rushmore of IndyCar, but he's a household name to people who right. don't even know what IndyCar maybe is kind of like Dale Jr if you think about that aspect of it. Jr may not have, you know, won a lot of races and won championships, but he's a household name. Yeah. And some people will go, well Jr needs to be on there just because, you know, even if you don't follow NASCAR, you know who that is. So, I think it just depends on, you know, how you look at things. I I really agree with you Tom. I feel like Scott Dixon is a household name, but he's also probably the best driver in this modern era and probably deserves the accolade just because I think Scott Dixon is a household name to people who may not necessarily know what IndyCar is. Boy, I
3: think we could bring Joel back and have one heck of a debate on that fourth spot. Yeah.
11: Melick, what do you think? Um, I think Scott Dixon belongs on there. Um, but I never think he really gets past Mario. Mario, to me, is like uh, an icon. Even, kinda even, kinda if, Mario passes,
1: even yeah. if Scott passes Mario and wins?
11: Yeah, and the reason I say that is because, think about this. I'm going to take this to a completely another sport. Look at the NBA. The best basketball player of all times is who? Michael Jordan or See, LeBron, I, 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 according I to people. Michael But 100%. when you hear people, like, when they throw a piece of paper in the trash, what do they say? They don't say Michael. They say Kobe. They say Kobe. Kobe is an icon. Just like when you drive a car, you hear people say, oh, geez, driving like Mario Andretti. They don't say, you're driving like Scott Dixon. You're driving like A.J. Floyd. Or Danica Patrick, I depending think, on how you drive. But. I think his icon and right. the way he is used is so much that I don't think it matters how many wins Dixon gets. He won't pass him. But I do think Dixon be belongs in I believe the only he's on there, yes. is, Does he belong in the top four? Uh, I believe forward, he's I think, on yeah. there, Foyt. Uh, Mario, and my fourth one. I'm going to put Tony on there because he's been around so long, and he he's just... Tony... Kanan. Stewart? Oh, Canon. Okay, Kanan. I was going to say. Canon. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Those are my four. That's interesting.
1: All right. I want to I, I want to take Tom up on this for a minute and bring Joel back in and to debate that Those fourth, size counts. That fourth <laughs> spot, Joel, uh, <laughs> because I, I think we're all pretty much in unanimous agreement on Dixie, AJ, and Mario, but what, wh- wh- which direction do you go with the fourth?
10: I thought Tom's answer of comparing eras is the perfect answer. Uh, And to use that as a cop-out and not give a fourth, if I have to give a fourth, I'm going to say, if I have to give a fourth, I would go Big Al. Uh, Okay. Simply because of what the answer name means. Uh, I'm going to use, uh, I'm going to bring all of the answers under that umbrella. You know, kind of a (laughs) genetic uh, but And this is why I love Tom's answer is uh, I don't care for Mount Rushmore's comparing eras in that. Right? Like, How are you supposed to compare somebody like Scott Dixon and what they mean to their sport and measure it to somebody like Roger Ward just because of how different sports are? Like, Roger Ward is a guy who raced midget cars and entered his midget car into the F1 United States Grand Prix because that's just a thing that you could do then. And he entered his midget car in the United States Grand Prix after serving in World War II as a fighter pilot. Like, that's just how different everything in the world, not just the sport, was back then. And he's a legendary driver. And I don't think anybody's going to argue that Roger, or maybe they would, uh, not to disrespect that at all, but like, he's Roger Ward's not a guy who's coming up in that discussion. But maybe he would in that era. The is just get. So completely different and it's impossible to measure them against each other here's what i think is a really interesting thing to think about though i did the math on this between age 39 which is how old scott dixon is now and age 52 which is when mario won his last race 93 in phoenix mario won 18 times he won a championship for newman haas in 1984 he had 29 poles and he had a 30th pole before his retirement. So that's what Mario was able to accomplish in all that time. Dixon is 19 wins behind A.J. Foyt. So I'm just saying there is a precedent that it's possible that Dixon could pass A.J. Do you think he could do that?
1: Oh, wow. He's going to have to start winning at a little yeah. faster clip because I'm not convinced Dixie races until he's 52. The
3: competition <laughs> level is
2: uh, is a little a bit high right yeah, now. Yeah,
3: this is such a close era because there's so many fast cars now. Yes. If he spent yes. on the way
2: he did at Texas, he'd be racing until he's 53. <laughs> <Woo-hoo>.
1: <laughs> Randy, <laughs> Randy, Randy's got a really good <laughs> point. <laughs> good by the way. <laughs> oh, by the way, I'll give all of you something to chew on too. And uh, in that Mount Ru- in that Mount Rushmore discussion, and it's not something we can debate right now because it's just started. But give it five or ten years from now. I can give you an idea as to who the the fourth person on IndyCar's Mount Rushmore might be in 10 years, and it's not somebody who's driven a race car, at least not in the last 50 years. Roger Penske. Because I think the next 10 years, and Roger Penske being at the helm of IndyCar and IMS, is going to absolutely change everything we thought we knew about IndyCar.
3: Well, but you wouldn't... a great one. You wouldn't put him... If you're talking about drivers, you can't put a... I'm
1: not talking about a Mount Rushmore of oh, oh, IndyCar. you're just talking, talking about oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. IndyCar A Mount, impact? Rushmore. A, yeah. a Mount An impact on IndyCar, yes. And yes. yes, most of the time that's drivers. But in this case, I think Roger Penske is going to end up on the Mount Rushmore of IndyCar because I think he's going to take the sport to a level that it's never been at before. Different,
3: different Mount Rushmore for me. I, I think you got, you got four drivers there. Um, okay. I've, Fair I've enough. got a thought on that for if we come back.
1: Okay. well we're gonna come back well, I mean, God we willing, come back, so
3: talk about it we'll
1: more. come back in a couple of minutes be right back after this. <laughs> Welcome back to Motorsports Madness, powered by mycomputercareer.edu. Training for a better life. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Randy Miller. Joel Sebastianelli is on the strutmasters.com hotline, and James Mellick is punching buttons and keeping all of us in line for the most part, except when he about gives me a heart attack during the break because I think we're coming back, and I'm halfway across the
11: room. Yeah, that was good. I meant to say one minute, I said one second. You hey, should have seen the look I got. I it looks like a deer in the headlights look. There's a crawl space over here, so you could have it <laughs> <been> back faster. <laughs>
2: Randy,
1: just because I can fit in that space doesn't mean I would be able to get back up off the floor. <laughs> <laughs> no one ever said
2: you make it to the other side of the hole either. Jacob so. would be joining <laughs> me You look like. In did the Pooh stuck in the tree. At the chiropractor next <laughs> yeah, week. Yeah,
1: something like that. Anyway, we're going to get back to talking about racing and not my lack of flexibility and go back to Joel and discuss, uh, well, first, overall thoughts on the Grand Prix and do we finally see somebody break the Power Pagino uh, stranglehold on this race?
10: That's, uh, the, that's, the third, that's the third time tonight you've
1: <laughs> given a really long sigh.
10: So, so, somebody with one of those teams, uh, you would think, like, Felix Rosenquist was really good there last year until everything went south. Uh, so, I would think Rosenquist has a great shot. Uh, I mean, obviously, anybody with the Penske team, although I think, as I said earlier, New Gardens actually never finished better than 11th. Will Powers won there three times, so Powers got a great shot. Uh, Anybody within either of those stables you would think would be really good. So Schmidt-Peterson has won here, run really strong every time they've been there. Uh, Hinch has finished third a couple of times. Just about every time they fielded a car, they've been in the top ten. Robert Wiggins ran really well there. Uh, They actually have a win with in Pagano, if you want to go back really far, it doesn't really matter now because that's right. I forgot. Yeah, I forgot that. I forgot Pagano's first
1: win was in the Schmidt car.
10: Yep, with the Shank Alliance, uh, Jack Harvey finishing third there last year. This year, it's Errol McLaren SP Pato O'Ward and Oliver Askew, who both have swept a road to Indy weekend here. They're really good on this track. I would keep an eye on them. Keep an eye on Connor Daly, not necessarily to win, but those are guys if you want to go off the board a little bit as people to keep an eye on who may have a really good weekend. I'm going to be keeping an eye on Ward, Askew, and Connor Daly, who has run really well here as well. I'm going to get a good shot.
1: I'm going to make a bold prediction that's probably going to make Joel a little bit sad, but no offense, guys. We are not going to see an Aero McLaren car in victory lane with. Pato or Oliver, not in this race, oh, not on that. not on this track.
10: I didn't say that, but I mean just just to run well. If you want to go off the board a little bit, uh, you know this is a race that just about every single year has somebody you wouldn't expect that runs really well, and I can back this up. So 2019, and a lot of it has to do with strategy too. So you had Jack Harvey third last year, Matthias Laced fourth, Spencer Piggott fifth, Ed Jones. All right, like if you want to go back the year before that, um, you know, Wickens, Bourdais, Takuma Sato all running in the top 10. The year before that, Max Chilton in the top 10, Spencer Piggott in the top 10, who was running in the top five for a lot of that race, Charlie Kimball and Connor Daly up in the top five the year before that. Uh, The year before that, another top five for Charlie Kimball. Coletti running in the top five for a lot of the race in the top 10. So, strategy can get a little different in this race. And especially if you have a good enough car to put yourself in a good place in the first place. Um, those are just guys that I would keep an eye on not to win, but just maybe to be in the mix. It'll be interesting to see, but I would not bet on anybody who's not Penn Steer Ganassi to win.
3: I'll tell you a dark horse here that I'm not sure he can win, but he might be able to, but I think he can certainly make it interesting And he finally came out of his shell at Texas, and that's Zach Veach. Zach's good on road courses, that's his Mm -hmm. deal, and I think that team's got a lot of confidence right now.
1: I'm going to add to that point on Zach Veach, Joel, and it's something you and I discussed over the offseason, that this was a pivotal year for Zach Veach to finally apply, you know, I think it has taken two years because of the time that he had to spend out of the ladder system and not be able to make that continuous move right to IndyCar. Those two years that he had to spend out of the seat or predominantly out of the seat, I think really hurt him as as far as his development uh, you know, behind the wheel. And I think it has taken him this long, those two full years that he's run with Andretti, to really become the IndyCar driver we thought he would be at the beginning. And I feel like Texas was finally a culmination of everything that Zach has needed to be successful being able to manifest.
10: I agree with that. And I think the long-term deal that they had uh, has its positives and its benefits when you consider how it's run out like the first year I think he said they didn't really have any expectations and I think he's even used the phrase that they were they were just having fun that first year and there's some growth to be had from that but there's a lot of pressure that he put on himself and there's pressure that gets applied to you in that second year and you saw that happen as well yes. thats applied to himself there's pressure from the team pressure from an engineer you want to repeat everything that's happened in that first year and also do better and sometimes what happens when you take that kind of approach is you're not really doing better it, it, that's not necessarily the right kind of approach but you learn from that too and to have that third year locked up you learn from everything not just in the first year you learn from the second year and you learn on track you learn in your mentality you learn everything to do and what not to do and i think it loosens him up in all kinds of ways to just go out and get it this year and i think I don't want to read too much into that first race, but I kind of do. I think it may actually pay off, and this is going to be a
3: big year. Well, he said it after the first race. He said, we were just pressing too hard last year, and I think you just gave a great analysis. The first year he came in, there weren't there weren't really high expectations. They were very loose. They had a good time. He He had some really, really good performances in that first year, and then last year it was just... Um, the, again, just that mental, you get tight. Every race is the biggest race of your life and you just have to do it this, this week. And, you know, you kind of get out of that mental rhythm a little bit. Um, and so I think what happened is in the off season, you know, you kind of get to uh, put all that through your mind and just come out. In, in the third year and guys, let's go back to to what we were doing the first year. And Zach even said that part of it is him and he needed to just be that little bit less aggressive. And uh, Texas is now the track, Jacob, that's been necessarily great for Zach. He runs fast, but then it ends up in the wall. Right. Um, but again, this first race, I think the mentality he used, if I've got to make sure I finish, um, that's going to pay off for him, and that team's got the speed. So he's a he's a very intelligent driver, and he's a guy that could really step up this year, especially on the road courses
1: extremely intelligent and I hope that he does because I think you yeah. know Zach finally performing to that level is going to be a big thing for IndyCar as a discipline we got a couple minutes left and I want to touch on one point in the F1 side before we run out of time with Joel here and that's really uh, the comments on for ara- on and around Ferrari o- over the last little bit of course uh, F1 is restarting this weekend with the Austrian Grand Prix and Joel there's, there's a lot of swirlings here because Charles Leclerc Uh, seems to think that Ferrari won't be on the level that they were last year and then there's Sebastian Vettel who quote unquote revealed how or at least has said in his eyes how things went down with him getting released and I'm not sure whether to believe any uh, well I don't want to say anything I'm not sure whether to believe everything that's being said on that front because I sit here and shake my head at that whole situation Okay, so we're,
10: we're all on social media right and you know how in 2020, like in a social media world, you're always showing your best face to the world, even when things aren't necessarily going your way. Uh, if you're willing to be this honest about what you call a significant change of direction in terms of aerodynamic development, but uh, also being very open about not having any upgrades available for the first two races after not being competitive in preseason testing, uh, if you're willing to just, like, put all of that out there to the world, you are not in a very good place.
9: Uh, you don't want exactly. to have them
10: meltdown. down. Yeah, you don't want to have them meltdown down for the world. Usually people are pretty good about uh, putting their best face forward, you know, throwing the filters on for everybody, making it look like they're having a good time, even if you're not. And Ferrari is just, uh, it, it makes you wonder how bad things really are behind the scenes
6: for everybody,
10: for Sebastian and especially for the car. Uh, Look, right now there's only eight races confirmed. Who who knows what else there is. It it also makes me think that really everybody's just playing the long game. I don't think a lot of teams are actually taking this season all that seriously. At least Ferrari isn't like it is what it is. Um, IndyCar is a legitimate championship. NASCAR is a legitimate championship. A lot of sports all over the world and i'm including f1 in this and like maybe someone like a chris medland like could tell me that i'm just completely full of Been saying this it's about keeping the business afloat and it's about just getting through to next year right like even if we're talking about the mlb like it's just about getting through to next year no one's looking at a 60 game season and being like yeah this is just like all the other ones yeah you know this carries all the prestige this carries into next year? No, like this is just about getting out there. We got to do something. We got to make some money. We got to get the revenue, and let's just get through the next year. So hopefully everything's back to normal. I think Ferrari is looking at it that way too. Let's just wait until we're able to get some upgrades, and hopefully let's just do everything next year and reset.
1: So do you then, real quickly, Joel? Do you consi- I mean, do you consider? The eventual F one champion this year, if we are able to satisfy all the requirements. I mean, do you con? Do you consider that meaning anything at all? Would I mean if, if Lewis Hamilton goes out and ties Schumacher with his seventh title this year? Do you consider that as having any meaning?
10: Yes, I mean it, it, it does. Like no one would look at Lewis Hamilton and. I mean, t- to me, the number—that's th- th- a meaningless discussion to have. Are, are his titles? Do do they mean? No, anything?
6: No,
1: no, 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 no. Sorry, Lewis uh, sorry.
10: Is a no, no. You know let let me Lewis let Hamilton me refer. Let
1: me rephrase. Let me rephrase my point. Sorry, I was just referring specifically to 2020 and the fact that you know this season is is so different. You know, do, do you consider this having any less meaning compared to a normal season per se? for whoever the champion it has, is
10: it has an asterisk next to it but I think if we're being honest they were gonna win the title anyway exactly so yeah. that so that's
3: Thank part you. of the explanation too it doesn't really matter that it doesn't need an asterisk I mean he's it, that that's still the best team period so it doesn't matter if it's eight races or 28're it, it,
10: it has a disclaimer
3: you know, I mean, play, I like, this season was different
10: than the others, but it doesn't take anything away. Exactly. You just delayed his it, championship. It still, cha- it still counts as a championship. Right.
1: All right. I hate that we're I, I hate that we're basically out of time with Joel because I could spend an entire I think we, we could spend an entire show with Joel. Do yeah, more. exactly. So I I, th- I think we'll see. We'll hold him to that since we know he's got at least a little bit of time and uh, say that we'll revisit this in a couple weeks and have some more fun. How about that? Sounds good. All right, that's Joel Sebastianelli. Man, I wish we had another hour with him. But uh, you know what we do have coming up in the second half of our show, Tom? Jesse, love. We have love. We have love.
3: We're going to talk about love. <laughs> the second half of the show.
1: We are, and he's been very busy. Most notably, winning in a stock car. Yeah, that that's kind of important. So, we will uh, we will get to all that coming up. However, we are going to take a break first because we're well <laughs> to the point where Malik's about to throw things again. So he doesn't we'll, need to. He's close I to know. Hit you. We'll step aside. Be back in a couple of minutes. <laughs>
6: This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council.
0: Hi, this is Ty Ingram, and you're listening to Race Chaser Radio. Now back to the show.
1: Welcome back to Motorsports Madness, powered by mycomputercareer.edu, training for a better life. What was that look for?
3: I was just reading, uh, again, Twitter sometimes, that some guy named Dan Wells. This is why I'm not looking forward to F1 restarting. It's just going to be people commenting PC nonsense, I'm substituting that word, uh, of someone not wearing a mask properly or standing too close to someone. And his example is, quote, Vettel has been demoted three grid spots for a mask infringement. Are, are you? Are, I'm like, I don't know what the what? original conversation is, but it's like, I, I just like, come on, people.
1: H- hang on. Is this a ser- is this serious?
3: Well, no, this guy was just kind of oh. making okay. he was saying, no, you know. I, I thought I thought he had actually a bunch of I thought he
1: had actually been demoted 3 no, spots no. and I was sitting here going to no, go he was just using really that
3: as a you know as a kind of an oh, example boy. of what he thought was going to yeah, be Yeah, something
1: like. something that that's almost as good as having to reboot me. <laughs> but, which, <yeah. laughs> which is what I wanted to get to because, well, this is Motorsports Madness powered by MyComputerCareer.edu, which is training for a better life. And, well, <laughs> luckily, we haven't had to train somebody to fix me yet tonight, but
3: we've had to train plenty of people. And uh, <laughs> you could be one of those people. Tell them how, Tom. Well, it's pretty simple, actually. And, and this is really great timing to talk about My Computer Career because there are a lot of people in this uh, time in the world who are out of work or who are really looking to change jobs. So uh, this is the way that you can do that. You can start on the road to training for a better life. Go to mycomputercareer.edu and you can take a free career evaluation test. My Computer Career is essentially an IT school and IT is an amazing field that has millions of jobs, a couple of million jobs unfilled right now because they have more demand than they have supply of trained folks to take the jobs. So real simple, take the career evaluation. If you would like to pursue a career in IT, it's easy to do. You train one to two we- one to two days online each week. And within four months or so, you could be on the way to a better life. And My Computer Career offers, they have available financing if you are eligible financial aid, including the GI Bill, and they will work with hundreds of employers to get you placed once you're ready to go. So just do it. Go to mycomputercareer.edu and take a look at what they have to offer. You will love what you see.
1: One to two weeks every week. That's where that was going, where we're going to a break and we'll be back after this.
7: How to be a great dad in 15 seconds. Bike ride, go fish, walk in the park, phone call, milkshake, play catch, picnic, fly a kite, tell jokes, laugh, talk, read a story, tell a story, bumper car, swing set, bowling, pillow fight, cut loose, stay tight. Because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of
4: Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation?
0: Hi, I'm Casey Kane, and you're listening to Race Chaser Radio. Now back to the show.
1: Welcome back to Motorsports Madness, powered by computer.edu Training for a better life, Jacob Seelman, Randy Miller, Tom Baker, James Mellick. All talking racing. James is punching buttons. We're staying on air because of that. He just punched his button to yep. say something.
11: Yeah, we almost didn't come back on air on that one. That was the shorty there. I was not expecting that. <laughs> Next thing you <laughs> know, I stir. hear music, and I'm like, uh-oh, time to go. Yeah.
1: That moment of, oh, yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Sugar. We are back. (laughs) Oh, sugar. (laughs) Apparently our (laughs) intern hasn't
2: graduated from my computer career yet. (laughs) (laughs) He still needs a little bit more training. Something like that.
1: Anyhow, uh, yeah, we're just starting the second half of our show, and if you missed the first half, um, well... (laughs) That, that's a cry and shame because Joel Sebastianelli is awesome and, well, we didn't have another hour to put him in or I'd have done it.
3: Yeah, but you can you can uh, go back and listen to it because we'll have it on demand pretty quickly this evening. Uh, just uh, simply do this. Go to uh, at your favorite podcast platform, whatever that is, Spotify, TuneIn, doesn't matter. Go to your favorite podcast platform, search Race Chaser Radio, and it will be there.
1: It will. And in this half of the show, we're going to talk about love. We've been joking about that the, the last little <laughs> yeah. bit, but we really are because Jesse Love is going to join us and talk about driving a midget for Keith Coons and driving a stock car on a road course and winning in a stock and car on a, a road car, course and driving a sprint and car. driving a late model. Yeah, he just does everything. Yeah, lately. he
3: does. He'll drive anything with four wheels and a motor, even a Legends car from he, time he's still done that this year too yeah, yeah he well he over the winter it, that's it far, was pre it was pre well firm.
1: yeah it was january it went as late as late january early february which is
3: pre-pandemic so it feels like it was last year he tested a miata too he did some uh training in a miata at come Utah, again pri- he did in a in, huh. a in a miata prior to the race and his coach was none other than will rogers oh man that's I why can, i said yeah. in the race he beat the coach
1: aha See? yeah there we go that See? now now the pieces come together and if you beat will rogers on a road course you done and you're not kevin harvick you've <laughs> done something
3: exactly so uh yeah he'll tell us all about that because that was fun and, and of course will was very gracious and oh yeah uh, because and, that's how he is um but it uh yeah So we'll have an opportunity to let Jesse go through all of that because it's a fun story.
5: We
1: will, and we'll do that coming right around the turn. I see him calling right now, so we'll catch up with young master love on the other side of a break. Motorsports Madness continues right after this Welcome back to Motorsports Madness, powered by mycomputercareer.edu. Training for a better life. Jacob Seelman. James Mellick is, well, maybe going to throw something at me again. I don't know. I haven't gotten that far yet. Randy Miller and Tom Baker are on the other side of the table. You're and in I in reverse. Just, I did go in reverse because I felt like going in reverse, Randy, okay? I could have gone to the phone but, line first. But the problem but is, be- is that
2: you barely have, you, you can barely manage to go the right direction, and now you're trying to go backwards, he too. You got it right, so. though. He did get it right. I, so I did have, get it right. I don't know so. the really bell. The bell's over there by time. And so radio
3: doesn't know. know the difference anyway. Correct. Sure. Sure. We're just sure. here. Do,
1: he said I get a ding. Do I get a ding? Thank you. Now we're going go to go to There's the a ding. dong to go with your I'll ding. I'll give you a Ding. Now we'll go to the strutmasters.com hotline before I decide to have Melitta We need love. We to mute, need mute love. the two of them. Yeah, we do. Jesse we save us from ourselves, please. Well. Or not. Is he Jesse love, are you are you in parentheses? Yes, I got you. You can't hear. There we 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 can hear you that time. I I the first time I, I said you needed to save us from ourselves because Jesus, but, Jesus, but yeah. But then again, <laughs> he, he you you've been no in way, stu- I, you've been in studio with us long enough to know that that's probably an imp- impossible proposition.
3: Yeah, no kidding. Don't get me involved in your message. Yeah, exactly.
1: Anyhow, I should have introduced him as the most recent Arkham Menard Series West winner and the driver who, hang on, give him another ding because he also scored the 100th West and East combined win for Bill McAnally Racing. (laughs) Thank you. Two dings. Uh, Number one, congratulations, Jesse. And number two, I'll start with the obvious. I know there was kind of an intra-team race between the four of you to figure out who was going to be the one to give Bill the 100th win. And I have to imagine you're pretty pleased with the fact that you got to be that guy.
9: Yeah, actually... You know, funny little story. I was actually in the garage, and, and you know, my teammate law Salon, was really, really, you know, quick. He could bust off a really awesome fast lap and a quick lap that um, was, you know, definitely had me shaken up a little bit um, on Friday night practice and um, kind of you know, talking to the town was he was pretty much the fastest guy at the racetrack at the point in time. And uh, and he basically, yeah, he kind of claimed a little early that he was gonna, you know, get the hundredth win for BMR when we were everybody was kind of like talking in the garage. I was a little bit worried for a little bit, but uh, I knew that I got a lot of faith in my number 19 Napa uh, Power Premium Plus Toyota Camry and that uh, we would be able to uh, pick one off and and get that 100th win for BMR. So, um, you know, kind of just kind of got to see how it goes sometimes.
3: You kind of stacked the deck, though, because you had a little bit of a coaching session with um, Mr. Will Rogers uh, before your ARC event uh, at the same time campus i know on the same course but talk about how that that coaching session and that time in the miata played into you being able to be successful in the arca race that followed
9: yeah that honestly was a huge part of my my success at the racetrack and uh i would think the biggest part of it would just be overall figuring out how to race on a road course at a really you know fast pace and and still not you know miss shifts and get wheel hop and just make mistakes, but especially miss shifts and just stay calm and calm, cool and collected and just go forward and not be mirror driving as well is really important. So, um, I would say if I have to, you know, if, if I, the biggest thing I learned would definitely be just how to race on a road course in a, in a car that is like a stick shift, right. Um, that you do, uh, have to, you know, work the gears really well and, and you can't miss shifts and do stuff like that. I would say that would be the biggest thing I learned. And overall, I learned a ton of different things as well, though, just about road racing in general. Um, you know, I think the Miatas that Will uh, provided us with were a really great tool to uh, give us the best opportunity for success and make sure that when we did get to the racetrack, that we'd be the most prepared people at the racetrack.
1: So, Jesse, I- I'm going to go back to something you and I talked about before the start of the year, because, yes, you've driven a Legend car on a road course and you've won Legends car races on a road course before. But I don't think that you would have called yourself a road course guy, per se, going into the start of this season, particularly in the West car. I mean, is it is it a surprise for you at all that that first win in the bigger stock cars comes, of all places, at a road course?
9: A little bit, only because uh, it was kind of one of those things where I wasn't too sure what everybody else had, um, but... Overall, at the end of the day, I feel like I outworked everybody before we got to the racetrack, and you know, kind of like Tom said, kind of made my own deck of cards and and uh, shuffled them to you know how I needed to make them. So when I when I did get to the racetrack, that you know I would be pulling aces out of the out of the deck of cards the whole weekend. So uh, that was kind of you know what happened, and we were able to uh, just be prepared. And overall, I think I had a lot of stuff in my pocket um, and in my toolbox, I guess you could say as well that was able to uh, secure me a, a really good starting spot, obviously qualifying third, and then just being being able to uh, outrace some of them and just be calm, cool, and collected throughout the race, make sure my restarts were good. That was definitely a really big, important uh, aspect of the whole race uh, were definitely the restarts and controlling the pace and uh, kind of making sure that you were the one that was going to control the pace because everybody's car is a little bit different, and I'm not really sure what Blaine had or, or what Wallace had or what, you know, Will Rogers um, had, right? So. How had to make sure that I had uh, the control of the race and was able to run on my own pace and make sure that they weren't able to uh, get to my inside or, or get by me and, and take control of the lead. So I think that was honestly a very important part of the race. So I wasn't too, uh, too surprised uh, to answer your question uh, only because you know I feel like I outworked everybody before I got to the racetrack, and I took advantage of every single thing I could uh, to make sure that, hey, I understand it's not my best you know, suit, it's not exactly my wheelhouse, um, if you if you want to say that right, but uh, at the end of the day, I feel like I outworked everybody to make sure that it would be um, kind of my wheelhouse, my wheelhouse, if you will. So um, yeah, I think that's just kind of how it went down.
1: So for those who have never laid eyes on, you know, what is now known as Utah Motorsports Campus, it, it, they may know it by its former name, Miller Motorsports Park. But it's a very unique and I'd say pretty technical road course, Jesse. And in just a minute or two here that we've gotten this segment, uh, talk a little about what it was like to drive the track and, and, you know, some of the tools that you felt like it took to be successful there.
2: Yeah,
9: it's obviously a really cool facility. Um, whoever built that thing did a phenomenal job. Um, you know, when I first got there, you roll in, the facility looks nice. They've got showers there. Um, the only thing they didn't have that I was expecting was be a water park maybe or something like that. I wouldn't be surprised if they did have one like that. Um, and, you know, just crazy how much stuff that they made there, whether it be off-road track or rock climbing tracks or, like, the Jeeps and stuff um, and all that off-road stuff. They had every single thing, right? I think Nitro Games was held there back. Um, a few years ago, oh, one of my wow. friends, you know, is really into that stuff. And I think that was the one that, like, Scott Speed broke his back or something like that on uh, when he missed that, you know, big gap jump. But, uh, you know, just a like, little history about the place, but a little bit of stuff that I know uh, about the place before I got there. And um, overall, just like you said, a really cool place. And um, I think that that place is really weird. It's not my, you know, favorite um, type of road course, I guess you could say. Uh, I like places like Sonoma where you're kind of stop and go. It's really technical. Not to say that um, that Miller wasn't or Utah Motorsports Campus wasn't, but it was just a little bit more straightforward, a little bit more flat, fast corners with, you know, big curbs. Um, and figuring out how you had to use the curbs was honestly um, a really important part, you know, to being successful there. Uh, just because they were so weird. Like, they were the weirdest curves ever. So um, I think it was a really cool place. It was nothing like Sonoma um, that applied. That's the place that I've been on. So kind of had to learn a different type of, uh, you know, road racing, if you will, on a track that's, you know, kind of made for uh, sports cars and stuff like that. And just, you know, going really fast around the racetrack the whole time kind of made me figure out, you know, before I got there, how I was going to have to drive with a racetrack like that.
1: It's interesting, too, because when you look at uh, when you look at the history of the track in terms of what's now the ARCA West Series used to be the K&M Pro Series West, Tom Jesse added himself to a, a pretty talented list of drivers who have won at the track when it was on the schedule in, you know, the form of Miller Motorsports Park, including Greg Pursley, who's won a couple of championships out West. But, it you know, it's not for the faint of heart. And I think for him to win there, I know we've you know, we're going to keep him and you know, talk with him on the other side side of a break but i think it shows a lot of poise and some skills that maybe some people weren't expecting
3: well you know jesse is very intelligent and he's done a lot of homework like he said and he's been working on his road course skills in a number of different ways over the last couple of years and you saw that pay off uh over the over the weekend
1: indeed we are going to step aside take a break and we will have more with jesse love on the other side of this step away we'll be back with the madness in a minute
4: will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speed, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach.
3: You have family and friends who care about you, so don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Just stop in to HMS Motorsport, visit them on their website at HMSMotorsport.com, or send them a message on Facebook. Tell them the folks from Race Chaser Media sent you.
0: Hi, this is John Androsik of Five for Fighting, here for RAD, the entertainment industry's voice for road safety. You know, style is a personal thing, and your lifestyle is your business. But if you take it on the road... It becomes everybody's business. So please plan ahead, designate before you celebrate. Friends, don't let friends drive drunk.
5: A public service announcement brought to you by Rad, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council.
6: Hi, this is Chandler Smith, and you're listening to the Race Chaser Radio. Now back to the show. Yeah, yeah.
1: Welcome back to Motorsports Madness, powered by mycomputercareer.edu. Training for a better life. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Randy Miller, James Mellick, Jesse Love is on the Strepmasters.com hotline. Most recent Arkham Series West winner. And uh, we'll go back to the phone with Jesse now and talk about the fact that uh, you, sir, have been doing a lot of different things. I know for those who have heard you on this show before, they kind of know all that. But for those who haven't heard you on this show to this point, let's see. You've driven a Legends car over the winter on a road course, as you mentioned. You've driven now a Midget for Keith Coons Motorsports this year, an Arca West car for Bill McAnally, a Sprint car in your home state of California and I know I'm missing something that you're gonna have to jog my brain on. There's, oh
3: Miata, if you count the, Miata. Oh well
1: if you count the Miata. I, I feel like I'm missing something else though, either that you've done or you're going to do.
9: I think you're pretty spot on. The okay. only thing I think I've done maybe is uh, obviously a midget for Trace Van Dyne, but other than that, I mean some focused midgets maybe, but uh, you're pretty spot on there.
1: Well, well, you well,
3: that was back in the day.
1: Yeah, that, I, I was I was just talking about, about this year. That may, may, Maybe I'm just getting a good inkling that there will be something else coming well, that we don't know about. You, you were, were talking you about yesterday. That? Oh, yeah, no, I, that's, that's right. That's right. You weeks. did run the late model recently. Yeah. I knew there was
9: something else. Even that slipped by me, so...
1: <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I, I know we've talked about this before and the fact that you love being able to bounce around different things because you feel like it makes you a better driver. But, you know, how has that gone lately, particularly when it comes to having to come back to the West car after so much of a layoff? I mean, did you feel like you were shaking off any rust at all?
9: Well, I mean, personally, with the super late model, it's kind of one of those things where, uh. You're really balancing back, yeah, in a way. But I think that the super late model does have some attributes to where, when you do go to the west car, that it's really similar in uh, the way your racecraft works. But at the same time, you know, the tires a lot different, the brakes are a lot different, uh, the overall just dynamics of how the car works is way different. So you have to figure out how you're going to maximize the potential of the race car, um, you know, without overdriving it, without doing stuff that uh, the car won't handle, so that's one thing that you really got to do. And there's a lot more stuff I feel like um, going on in a super late model than there is in an Arco West car. But at the same time, the ARCA West cars I feel like they're a lot more finicky. And if you mess up one part of the Arco West car, it kind of, it or it just kind of messes messes with your whole mojo. Like you have to have everything go along with everything. So you can't just change one thing. It kind of you change one thing, and then you have to uh, change. You have to go back on your steps and figure out. Uh, whether it be on the pull down or doing test sessions or something like that, how you're going to be able to use the rest of the car to make that part of the car work the best. Um, but and also in a way, it's like especially come back from the midgets and the sprint cars and stuff like that. But that's a whole different ballgame, right? Um, you're coming back from you know a 900 horsepower beast that you know you can barely even control, right? To uh, you know Arca West car that you know doesn't it's, it's you know it's got similar power in a way, but Um, At the same time, it's a whole different driving style, and you have to be able to manage uh, your mindset, manage how you're going to drive the race car, manage your racecraft. It's just a complete opposite. And it's kind of like that movie where that guy has, like, 32 different personalities or something like that. Like, you have to have, like, seven different personalities, um, you know, kind of to be doing what I'm doing when, you know, I'm super grateful to be doing it, right? You have to be doing so many different things at so many different racetracks You have to be able to switch, okay, I'm running a sprint car this weekend. What do I have to do? Um, What needs to be done to win the race this weekend? All right, I'm going to a super late model in Florida. All right, what needs to be done to win the race this weekend? Like, what piece of the puzzle do I have to put together? And it's a whole different puzzle. Like, you're not taking anything from the sprint car. In a way, you are, you know, like aggressiveness and stuff like that. But you're restarting the whole puzzle. And you're going to fill in the different pieces of the puzzle. And it may be a thousand piece puzzle that, that it's, you know, hard to finish. And it might be just, you know, a few different things that you need to touch up here and there. Um, But that's just kind of how you have to look at it is just what do I have to do this weekend to maximize my chances of winning in this car? because uh, it's a whole different ballgame than what he did last weekend.
1: Tom's been sitting there for five minutes well, want, wanting, wanting to get a word in edgewise, and Jesse's just been on such a roll that Tom. I
3: know oh, it's <laughs> great, but, I, I, <laughs> but I, I wanted to make sure I got it uh-huh. ahead of you because um, okay. Jesse and I talked about something earlier, oh. and I'm trying to look up the stat. Jesse, how long—you're uh, 15 still, correct? Yeah. How long before you turn 16, sir? Not until 2021. So here's the question, Jacob. Is Jesse the youngest winner in ARCA history? Ah. I mean, I'm looking, trying to look up to see how old Todd Gilliland uh, was when he won his first race. I'm trying. Uh, because... So
1: I'm going to have to look at this a little bit differently because ARCA National Series history is classified differently than what is now the West. The West Series history is lumped in with the former K&N Pro Series West. Yes, the ARCA name is on it, but they classify it differently. Oh. So you may have to ask Jesse another question and give me just a second. But I think I, I'm thinking the answer is yes, but I don't want... Well, it, it, I take it's, it's already June. So the answer may actually be no, come to think of it, but I'll check on that here real yeah, fast.
3: I'll let you, I'll let you do that. So Jesse, here's the question I've got for you. So you've, you finally won your first ARCA race. And of course it comes on a road course, which oh. I think we all would consider to be a little bit of a surprise. I think even you might've thought that perhaps that win would come on an oval, right? But, um, going forward in the season, you you're still looking for that first win in the Koontz midget. How much confidence can you take from the first Arca win and put it into the midget? And how much overall does this play now going into these other uh, series that you're running that you haven't won in yet? To say, okay, I just did that. I can go do this too.
9: Well, that's a really that's honestly a really great great question, Tom, and and that's I know it's a really weird question too in a, in a sense you know, for the person answering it, only because, you know, it, it does in a sense, because keep in mind, right, um, the dirt world's kind of in a different world than the pavement world, obviously, they're you know, focused on yep. different stuff, um, you know, and, and, and personally, I feel like the guys at the dirt stuff, you know, I feel like they definitely did see what happened at, you know, at the Ar- at the ARCA race, right, um, and I think that definitely uh, is a really big confidence booster knowing that, right, but at the same time, um, you do have to also back it up, right? And you have to go out there and, and, and prove that, you know, you can do it on both dirt and pavement, uh, you know, which I've done in the past, and I'm um, looking forward to doing it again soon. And uh, at the same time, as well, in and, and a different perspective, is that, uh, and, and also in another way, it's not just, like, the confidence of, the, of knowing the people at the racetrack know, but it's more so personally, right, that, and I feel, and I feel like it's really important, for me, to always make sure I go to the racetrack, you know, with a good, happy mindset, right? Right. Because when, when I'm happy, I exactly. perform well, I do. What was that?
3: Yeah, I was agreeing oh, with you.
9: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, you have to make sure you go to the racetrack with a good, happy mindset uh, to make sure you can perform well, right? Um, it's obviously hard to see people do their job right when they're upset uh, and pissed off, and if you will, or something like that, right? So, like I said, just going to the racetrack with a happy mindset is really important. And uh, and part of that is obviously winning races, and no matter what you're doing, winning races is you know adding that mindset. And I you know I kind of do a few different things to make sure I'm happy during the week. Uh, you know to make sure that when I go to the racetrack, I'm in a happy mindset, whether it be surfing or or working out or hanging out with you know family and friends and stuff like that. And winning races and, and whatever I can get in is always a huge uh, you know confidence booster. But also it's uh, you know personal happiness level i guess you could say uh booster as well which plays into performance as well
3: it does and you you won your first super late model race this year and you're you've won your first arca race i'm betting you get that first win in the midget and i have part of the answer to the question but i suspect jacob has the rest i i just figured out that two days after he turned 15 todd Golan won his first arca race
1: okay so ha you were half right the way. So the way they deal with the West series in carrying on the stats from the previous KN pro series, West Jesse is the youngest winner in what is now the Arkham and series West. The previous record was Todd. You're, you're going to love this part. The previous record appropriately was Todd Gilliland 15 <laughs> okay. years, five months and 28 days. Jesse's win over the weekend, 15 years, 5 months, and 13 days. So he beat him by 15 days. He beat him by 15 days go, and he'd Jesse have one, mo- one more shot to do it this weekend at Irwindale if he hadn't won on the road course.
9: So there you go. Here we go with the fireworks and the and, and the you know cocktail party and the <laughs> whole party
3: at the love house. Uh, well, yeah. So you that's this is the second time that you've at least that you become the youngest winner in a series history or in a type of car. You were also the youngest winner in the full midget ever in U.S. history 13. at thirteen years yep. old a couple of years ago. So uh, there you go, bud. You got another one. Yeah. Thank you, guys. That's what happens when they come on our shows. Exactly. See, we we, we I, I, give them great we,
1: news. We give them great We I I had to go digging on that. It took me a couple of minutes. That's why I, I had Tom to stall for time on that one so I could figure it out. One of those one of those uh, on-air moments. But yeah. I mean, you know, the, again, we, we every time we talk about talk to Jesse, it seems like he's been, you know, trailblazing something or setting some sort of record over the last couple of years. In other words, keep an eye on the kid. He's going to be really good. I I think we have time to keep him one more segment,
3: don't we? Unless he has to run off. Can you hang on one more segment there, Jesse? I'm all yours, guys. All right, see? Sweet. There, that that answers that
1: question. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not even going to go there. I'm really not. Uh, so long story short if you're just joining us at Motorsports Madness Jesse Love is on the strutmasters.com hotline and we are going to continue talking to Jesse a little bit more I want to dig into the midget stuff with him uh, when we get back on the other side of the break because I'm a dirt guy and that's what we do but also because I do think Jesse is getting closer and closer and closer to a win with Keith Coons Motorsports and when it happens everybody he he may be right they may throw a party but we got to do a little business with uh, well America first so we'll do that come back and have more motorsports madness in just a few minutes
7: how to be a great dad in 15 seconds bike ride go fish walk in the park phone call milkshake play catch picnic fly a kite tell jokes laugh talk read a story tell a story bumper car swing set bowling pillow fight cut loose stay tight because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life take time to be a dad today call 877-4DAD411 or visit fatherhood.gov
3: HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of NASCAR, IndyCar, and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SCCA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. Their representatives are experts on making your track driving as safe as possible. You have family and friends who care about you, so don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop into HMS Motorsport, visit them on their website at HMSMotorsport.com or send them a Facebook message and tell them the folks from Race Chaser
10: Knock it off. Learn more at thinkbeforeyouspeak.com.
9: Hi, I'm Cody Connor, and you're listening to Race Chaser Radio. Now back to the show.
1: Welcome back to Motorsports Madness, fired by myconfigurecareer.edu. Training for a better life. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Randy Miller, James Mellick, and we have Jesse Love on the Strutmasters.com. Hotline, And we'll bring Jesse back for a couple of minutes here. And I I said before the break, I wanted to talk to you about the midget. And we can do that now because uh, you not only have gotten to run a couple of races at Port City Raceway earlier this year with with KKM, I, I feel like all the pieces are starting to come together. You've alluded to it a couple of times, Jesse. This feels like the year, doesn't it? That things are going to click, and maybe that that win with KKM that you've been waiting for since you started out with them a year or so ago is is finally going to come to fruition. I mean, I I think you've got the speed now. There's no question about that.
9: Yeah, definitely. I, I you know I really do believe so, and and I definitely think that we obviously have the speed. Uh, obviously, we're really strong qualifying in qualifying and practice, and and heat race. We're we're always quick and stuff like that. It's just right now, I'm just. I'm still obviously, because I didn't really grow up in dirt racing, I'm still just trying to figure out what I need to do to put the whole night together, and that's obviously a big part of any race um, in order to win. That's, like, the hardest thing to win uh, about sprint car and midget races, but especially midget races, um, especially with the USAC format. You have to qualify well to put yourself in a position to be in the front few rows of the the midget feature, Uh, but you also have to then heat race well. And if you mess up in the heat race, uh, the best you can start, I think, is eleventh or something like that. Uh, if you come out of the B, because you do get you do get your time back, um, which is what happened to me at Fort City. We qualified third, um, but you know, I made a mistake in, in the heat race and had to come from the B. We transferred from the B, and I got my time back, um, so I was able to start you know in the mid pack of, of the feature. But that just goes to show, like you have to do everything well, right? And then that, you know, on top of that, you have to go head to head with guys like Taylor Courtney and uh, Chris Wyndham. Uh, all those guys, right? Ken McIntosh, of course, and Buddy Kofoid, um, and that's you know a really important part of the whole puzzle. is Making sure that you are going to be able to do all those things right. So right now, I'm just I'm just still trying to figure out how I'm going to be able to do all those things right. And I definitely think that I'll be able to do that. And I got a lot of confidence in myself and my team. And uh, and right now, I'm just making sure I put in the effort and the work beforehand, so that when I do show up the racetrack. Um, I've got a clear mind. I'm calm, cool, and collected, and ready to get the job done.
1: How big has this been? And it's a very different dynamic at KKM this year. I mean, you're you're still the young guy, for lack of a better term. But really, all of you are young. It's you. Um, you know, when you look at the group this year, that's raced for Keith, the the oldest person on the team so far aside from Rico and I don't necessarily count him because he's been there since the dawn of time it feels like but you know really out of the rest of you the oldest one on the team is Max McLaughlin who is you know 2021 and he's never really driven a midget yet until this year so it's you Dason you mentioned Cannon and Buddy I mean what's the dynamic like when you're trying to learn and you're trying to lean on your teammates but it seems like all of you are pretty much in the same boat I mean you're all relatively fresh-faced here.
9: Yeah, it's obviously a really interesting dynamic, and uh, and it's really cool dynamic, dynamic, honestly, with the whole team because you got guys like Buddy Kofoy who's um, you know one of the best sprint car drivers in the country. You know, he's proven that on a bunch of different platforms, and he's done really well on a bunch of different platforms, right? So um, obviously, Buddy Kofoid, he's really good. Kenny McIntosh, you know, his results speak for himself, and obviously, his talent level is through the roof, right? Um, and then you got Jason Persley as well, and uh, Kaylee Bryson, who's done well this year. Uh, all these guys who you know have done really well and it's it's, it's it's really gratifying, I know, for the team, but especially for Keith, knowing that he was able to you know put together a really strong team and hey, they've already been clicking off wins and doing really well and um, it's just super cool. and hopefully yeah, I'll add my name to that list pretty soon. It's just a matter of time.
1: Before we let you go, Jesse, shout out sponsors, thank-yous. I know there's a laundry list, but who, uh, who helps make it happen for you and the, uh, the teams that you have been on track with here this season?
9: Yeah, first off, to everybody that's listening to this right now, you guys are the best. I uh, love you all. You guys are so amazing for tuning in, and I can't thank you guys enough for listening. And then both of you guys, Jacob and Tom, thank you guys for having me on the show. It's always a pleasure to be on the show. Um, I'll do anything to be on the show all the time, and it's just always fun to to be able to talk with you guys and chat it up for a while. And uh, also, thank you to all my sponsors uh, Toy Racing Development, uh, as well as JBL Audio, um, uh, Napa Power Premium Plus, Bill McNally Racing, as well, uh, my whole number 19 Napa Toyota crew, uh, as well as BBS Wheels and the Midget, too. So, uh, hopefully, we'll see you guys soon, and and hopefully, it'll be another one of these cool shows where we get to talk about winning races.
3: Don't forget race face brand development. Rod will slap you silly.
9: Yeah, and race face brand development <laughs> we can't forget that.
1: If Rod You're goes welcome, back, I, I was, was gonna you. say if Rod goes back and listens to this, he'll drop a brick on Jesse's head. <laughs> and we don't yeah, want to Yeah
9: I'll get that. a phone call about one AM. <laughs> yeah Exactly.
1: <laughs> we always appreciate it, Jesse. We'll talk to you soon.
9: Awesome. Thanks,
8: guys. Have a good one.
1: Thanks, Jesse. That's Jesse Love, and uh, <laughs> yes, it's always fun to uh, to have him on the show to talk shop for a little while. Got about half this segment left, and I-, I know we didn't even really get a chance to review the weekend that was, but shoot, five races across three days and four series with Randy at the end of it all, two guys who went one-two
2: both days just in reverse. Well, to clarify, we had five races, but three of them were demolition derbies. <laughs> so <laughs> technically, we wow. only had two races. Wow. Like I'm wrong. Come on. No, but I. I wasn't going to say it. Tom, it. Tom and I talked about it on Tuesday's show. I, I thought, you know, going into this weekend, we all thought, but man, this is going to be the snooze fest. We're going to get, you know, a good afternoon nap in. Uh, for two days in a row, but the Pocono race was actually pretty good. And uh, it's hard for me to say that because Pocono is typically the worst track or one <laughs> of the worst tracks we race at, but it, it proved itself to be, you know, just like all the other races we've had since the coronavirus. So um, I, I'm happy – that, uh, you know, Denny and, and uh, Harvick and those guys figured it all out. And uh, we had great, great races all, uh, all weekend long. Two quick points here,
1: Red. Number one, congratulations to y'all on a stellar top five run over the weekend. I know the luck in the second uh, you know, second race didn't necessarily go how you all, you all hoped it would. But a fourth place finish, nothing to sneeze at out of Pocono. And, you know, bigger than that, too, when you look at those two guys in Harvick and Hamlin and how they won those races... <laughs> Boy, it was fun to try and keep track of strategy Saturday and Sunday.
11: Yeah, the strategy game was definitely played at Pocono by both guys that won. Two tires, won both races there, on yep. uh, both times. So it just depended on how you did it and where you did it at on that one. And thanks again for the um, congrats on the good run there. Finishing fourth, that felt good. And um, we had a good run going there on Sunday as well. Just a little miscue there. Drives a little bit different. I mean, cup cars drive a little different than an Xfinity car, and uh, just a rookie, a small rookie mistake. It's, not, it's just part of the learning curve he has to go through. No hard feelings towards anybody at the shop, but we do know that after running really good there in both races at Pocono and Indy being almost the same style of track, his confidence will be high, and us at the shop and all the road guys that are going – we have really high hopes for this weekend in Indianapolis because I they're like pretty it. close to the same kind of, of course, track. if you're like joining
3: it. us for the first time on this show, our producer, James Mellick, who we call Red, is the teardown specialist for Levine Family Racing. So My- he
1: kind of has a vested interest. Yes, he does. Yes,
3: again, a little bit. <laughs> My two cents here is I loved I I thought the weekend was great. I know that the truck and the Xfinity races both had big-time uh caution issues but you know what the, it, both of them and especially the Xfinity race a lot of smaller teams got huge paydays and standout runs we had Ryan Vargas he was one of them we had Ryan yes. on Monday night on League lap yes. um you know he was in the top 5 at one point before he caught on the, the last lap and fell back to 13th with his JD Motorsports car but I thought it was great, and I hope they do the exact same thing again going forward with Pocono because two shorter races to me is much much better than one longer one at that track. Amen. Yeah, I think we can duplicate that going forward, and the drivers seem to want it too. Yes, the, with dri- other tracks. the
1: drivers did seem to like it, and I think you know, I think it was good in a lot of ways. Melik, and and you can probably speak to this from the shop side too, but. You're, you know, normally when we go back, you know, if we get back to normal to where there's a little bit of practice qualifying and then a race on a given weekend, you're already building a primary car and a backup car to begin with. So if you eliminate, basically eliminate practice and qualifying for some, you know, if and replicate the double header idea to where you're only having to build a primary and a backup for the weekend, but getting two races out of it, you're not adding to y'all's workload at the shop. But you're getting two races for the price of one, and I think that's great.
11: Yeah, you're not adding any more workload at the shop, like you just said. And at the same time, the, really the only thing you're adding to the entire weekend is nothing. Because guess what? You're already there until Sunday anyways, paying for those hotels. So you're not even adding that. You're saving travel. You're actually saving more money than you are anything because you're not increasing anything besides having to buy tires. But, I mean, you have to buy those to race anyways. Correct.
3: The the one thing I will say, though, is that some of the team members I saw on social, um, said it makes for a very long night saturday night in the garage that's because you, you know you're that doing a lot of, with uh, that. yeah are yeah. doing do a lot of prep that. work for sunday
1: i th- so. i think if that's the if that's the only negative we have out of it we're we i think we've hit on oh, something pretty good yeah, so I, I i think we can take one long night you know every every month or two months to get a couple of these double oh, headers 100%. in um, you know quick shout out as far as trucks brandon jo- you know shocking the 51 truck wins again but it wasn't with Kyle Busch brandon jones finally got the gorilla off His back and won a truck race at long (laughs) last i mean god knows he was getting tired of talking about when am when am i going to win a truck race he finally did and the Xfinity race to see Chase Briscoe come back from everything he had to come back from to win that race. Holy
3: moly! Well, yes, uh, agree on all counts, and let's not forget that Brandon Jones won the truck race and then got into the wrecked Xfinity in turn car. one. Yeah, got got wrecked barely after the green. It was yeah. just like <laughs> he didn't even make a full lap. We always said racing as highs and lows. And, yes, uh, uh, Brandon experienced both within about thirty-five minutes. Hey,
1: Randy, Chase Briscoe is halfway to the number
2: that he wanted to hit at the start of the year. Are you a believer yet that he can get to eight wins this season? I was a believer after the, about the first couple of wins because I, I feel like that team is hitting on all cylinders, especially only having one car this year since Cole's up in the Cup Series now. So I, I definitely think he can uh, get pretty, pretty close to that mark if not break it. Next Woo-hoo. question,
11: do you think he's peaking too early? It's only nah. in a year. Nah. Okay. No, okay. You think I ride mean, it all I like think
2: there's only a handful of drivers that are really that are really good drivers. That. Noah Jackson being one that, of them. That so.
1: give the man a ding. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yes, that ding. <laughs> because he's spot on <laughs> there there i agree. i don't I, think there's anybody that can perform at the level in the xfinity series that 98 team is at right now well gregson burton the year i think gregson i think
2: gregson's probably his closest competition i right call,
1: gregson needs to stop wrecking yeah, well yeah, harrison
11: burton's one too so don't forget gregson about him didn't cause his True.
3: wreck the other day i'll have you know and i know the, but he's he caused collected. a couple yes, of them yes but you know what? It's it, Briscoe's also fallen behind a couple of times. He's been fortunate enough to be able to come back and win. That takes a little bit of luck to go with the skill. I still think those two and, and, uh, Austin Sendrick are your big three right now. It's just... Oh, for sure. It's just... And Burton is right and there who would with them. Who would have thought that we'd be talking about
2: a
1: big three that didn't include Ross Chastain? He's been surprisingly well, underwhelming this year. I think Burton is
2: probably the the Sendrick <laughs> yeah, from last year. You know, how you had the I big do. three I, and then was fourth. I expected
3: Chastain would have won two or three. Yeah, it's true. See, I think, I think Chastain and Haley both have been, you know, a, a, you almost have a big five, but nobody would have expected Briscoe to go out and do what he's done. And nobody would have expected AJ Almondanger, frankly, to go out and do it, you know, perform. I mean, I just, here's, what's interesting to me. We just named off a whole bunch of drivers. And with the exception of Gregson, we didn't, we're still not talking about junior motorsports. Justin Allgaier is not there right Allgaier now. Allgaier is and,
1: non-existent you know, of course, right now. There. I'm I mean, sorry, Justin. Love you dearly. But Allgaier is not no. there at all. He's close, all. but he's not he's there. He's close, but he's not there. Anyway. We're going to take a break here in a second, and uh, if you're looking, if if you're looking on demand for where our uh, g- looking at Indy is going to be, well, that's coming up in TV Overtime. Right now, though, we do have to take a break, and we'll be back with Motorsports Madness right after this.
6: Here's an important message from Rad and this station. Oh, yeah. Boy,
8: Hi, this is Bob Sheehan from Blues Traveler for Rad, recording artists against junk driving. I like to party just as much as the next guy, maybe even more. But the one thing I won't do after I've had a few is get in the car and drive. Don't blow it. Always choose a designated driver. Remember, music lives and so should you
10: <laughs> i know
1: we had jesse on for three segments and then there he is again welcome back to motorsports mad powered by my computer career.edu training for a better life jacob sealman tom baker randy miller james mellick this is our final segment and i'm talking really fast so i can fit a couple of things in before we get done quick breaking news update is the fact oh. that we have lineups and oh. your two pole sitters for this weekend in nascar world are dun 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 in xfinity jeb burton in the eight car, yep. So Junior Motorsports might have a chance here, and in the Cup Series, Jolo Joey
3: Logano. Yeah, Kevin Harvick starting eleventh. Rodney Childers is mad. Uh, he's all done with the draw for position. Yeah, he something on Twitter. like Twitter. You know who's sorry, not... Rodney. If you can't win
1: from eleventh, go home. Yeah, you know who's not done <laughs> with the draw because he's had six really good ones in a row. Jesse, no, Greg's, oh. Jesse Little in Xfinity. Oh, yeah. Jesse Little too. And yeah. quote, starting thirteenth. That's six in a row with a killer draw. Man, I haven't been this lucky since getting to sit with the pretty senior in chemistry when I was a <laughs> sophomore.
3: <laughs> that that's,
1: now. That's so Jesse Little. We
3: need to get him in studio. We really
1: do. He would air. he would be so much fun Jesse's in studio. Fun. Yeah. yeah, and and he's an like you referenced earlier. The whole JD team in Xfinity yes. had a great run at Pocono over yes. there. There was one point where they had four car oh, I think they had all, all four, four cars, cars in the, in the top, top 10 at one yep, point yeah sure that was I loved yep. that and and I'm sitting here going oh Johnny's either going to be elated or have a heart attack or maybe both, both. I'm not sure <laughs> yeah anyhow TV over overtime is coming up search it on demand or well yeah, keep listening but for those in our radio audience we'll see you next week for Randy Miller Tom Baker and our producer James Mellick I'm Jacob Seelman keep it off the wall folks this has been Motorsports Madness and we'll sure see you has. next Thursday till we meet again you've been listening to Motorsports Madness powered by mycomputercareer.edu
0: training for a better life you can be an IT professional in as little as four months visit mycomputercareer.edu and take the free career evaluation test today